I was eating supper with a group of pastors in Colorado Springs at the Navigator's headquarters on Tuesday evening when someone came in and said that there had been an earthquake in San Francisco and that part of the Bay Bridge was down. And one of the pastors at the table said, if part of the Bay Bridge is down, this is really serious. We better pray. And we did. We all stopped right in the middle of our supper and called upon the Lord to have mercy upon the people of the Bay Area. That night, we didn't have access to any television or radio, and I had no idea how serious it was. And uh, I felt really unusually constrained as I sat on my bed, plucking away at the uh, laptop computer about the things I'd been hearing in this seminar, and just felt so constrained to bow and pray for God to work, to shake souls as well as cities. The next morning, we gathered together as a group of 30 pastors, this special seminar I was attending, and uh, had a time of silence and prayer and Bible reading. And as I was bowed in prayer there, the Lord brought to my mind this text from Hebrews 12. Let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And I read it aloud, and we prayed over it. And it uh, was very moving to us at the time. And when we stopped, I, I, I got up and I left the, the uh, group and went to the telephone and called Shelley long distance and said, Shelley, this is the text for next Sunday. See what Dean can do with it at short notice uh, instead of Psalm 50. So I want to address the earthquake and ask the question, what God might be saying to us in this particular moment in America? Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, I can't remember in a long time when any event has held in bold letters the top headline of the Tribune five days in a row and grip the conscience and the heart of this country like this event has. And I believe that you reign and that you have spoken and we need to listen. And I pray that your word would come clear to us as we compare it to the written word this morning. I pray, Lord, that any here who are unduly fastened to this world would be shaken loose by your word today. I pray for unbelievers in our midst or who may yet come in the next two services. Lord, that they would see the glory of having an unshakable kingdom in a very shakable world. And so speak, Father. For your great namesake and for the good of this people. I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. So the question is, what is God saying to us? And to answer that question, we go to the Bible. Because I think the written word of God is the best way of interpreting the voice of God in nature. And it's very plain from Scripture that he speaks through nature. Whether it's Hugo or whether it's San Francisco. The Bible is not silent about earthquakes. And when the whole nation wakes up and takes attention to an earthquake, it's time to ask what God is saying. 
And I want to make four points from this text, or actually three of them come from this text and one of them from outside the text. And here are the four points. I'll sum them up and then I'll take them one at a time. One, God has appointed a great final shaking of the earth and the heavens someday that will end this fallen creation as we know it and bring the kingdom of God to consummation. God has appointed that the end will come by a great shaking of the earth and the heavens. Second, God has appointed that this great final shaking of the heavens and the earth will be preceded by many smaller shakings, earthquakes and calamities, the way labor pains precede the birth of a child. Third, before the end of this age, with its great and cataclysmic shaking, God is giving freely to all who believe in his Son an unshakable kingdom that will last forever. And fourth, therefore, let us worship God with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Point number one. God has appointed a great final shaking for this earth that will mean the end of the world as we know it and will issue in something infinitely better, the consummation of his kingdom. Now, let's go to our text, first of all, and then I'll point you to some prophecies in the Old and New Testament. Verse 26 of Hebrews 12. His voice then shook the earth, referring to Mount Sinai. Exodus 19:18 says it quaked terribly when God spoke at Mount Sinai. But now he has promised, and this promise is found in Haggai 2.6, he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth but also the heaven. And then comes the interpretation. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of what is shaken. That is, earth and heaven. As of what has been made, in order that what cannot be shaken may remain. Now, what that means then is that God has appointed a day in which what can be shaken will once more be shaken and gone. And what will remain will be what is unshakable, the kingdom of God and all who belong to it. The new heaven. And the new earth, there will come a great shaking. Now, I want you to see this from elsewhere in Scripture, not only from this verse here. You don't need to look these up. I'll just mention them and read them. If you want to jot down the text and look at them this afternoon, that would be edifying, I believe, and inspiring for you. Isaiah 13, 13. I will make the heavens tremble. And the earth will be shaken out of its place at the wrath of the Lord of hosts in the day of his fierce anger. Isaiah 24, 18 to 20. The foundations of the earth tremble. The earth is utterly broken. The earth is rent asunder. 
The earth is violently shaken. The earth staggers like a drunken man. It sways like a hut. Its transgressions lie heavy upon it. It falls and will not rise again. You see the decisiveness of this prophecy about the final shaking. Revelation chapter 6 verses 12 to 17. I looked and behold there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth. The full moon became like blood. The sky vanished like a scroll that is rolled up. Every mountain and island was removed from its place. And then the kings of the earth and the great men and the generals and the rich and the strong and everyone, slave and free, hid in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us, hide us from the face of him who is seated upon the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come. Who can stand before it? So that great final day of the wrath of God will come with a great earthquake that moves mountains and islands out of their place. And one last text, Revelation 16, 17 to 19. A loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, it is done. And there were flashes of lightning, voices, peals of thunder and a great earthquake such as had never been. Since men were on the earth, so great was the earthquake. The great city was split into three parts and the cities of the nations fell. And God remembered great Babylon to make her drain the cup of the fury of his wrath. Now, the people in California, I lived in California for three years. There was an earthquake as strong as this one, February 9. 1971, Los Angeles. Our refrigerator walked across the living room. All the books came off the shelf. Our bed at 6.30 in the morning was just like a boat. I know a little bit about what happened out there and remember it like it was yesterday. A train going underneath the house with its roar. They talk about, they joke about the big one coming in California. The big one. And my prayer this morning, and you should pray with me, is that they would realize a big one is coming. And it is so much bigger than they realize. So much bigger than they realize. Oh, that men and women, not only in California, but all over America and around the world would realize that there is a big one coming. And it will end the world as we know it. And the Lord will stand and judge. That's the first point. The Lord has appointed that the world will come to an end with a great earthquake. The second point is this. This is very important for understanding the voice of the Lord today. Before that great final shaking, God has appointed that many smaller earthquakes and calamities precede it. And give hopeful warning of it. Now this is not found in our text. But it is so crucial to understanding the overarching theme of the morning. I want to take you to the text where it is found. Matthew 24 verses 7 and 8. 
if you want to follow with me. These are the words of the Lord Jesus after his disciples had asked him, Lord, what will be the sign of these things and of your coming, your second coming? And the answer of the Lord uh, in verse 6 following of Matthew 24 goes like this. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end, now note that word, that's what we've been talking about. The end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All this is but the beginning of the birth pangs, labor pains, contractions of a pregnant woman. Now, notice three things in this verse. Number one, there is an end coming. It says the end is not yet, but it is coming. Second, before it comes, there will be wars, earthquakes, and famines. In other words, many calamities will precede the coming of the end. Third, these calamities before the end are called birth pains, labor pains, contractions. Why? Two reasons. One, birth pains and labor pains and contractions grow in intensity and frequency as the birth draws near. They knew that. It doesn't take any scientific knowledge to know that. We needed to be around mothers. And therefore, the point is, as this age draws to a close, the frequency of calamities, the intensity of calamities will increase. The second thing it means in calling these things birth pangs is that a birth is about to happen. Something good and happy is about to happen. Something glorious is on the way. The Bible makes much of the, the tension between the pain of birth pangs and the joy of birth. It makes much of that, doesn't it? Remember the words of Jesus? And so it is that the birth of the kingdom will be a glorious thing to all who have received the unshakable, unshakable kingdom in this life. And yet we will all go through those birth pangs. We will. Should we not then listen for the word of God every time we hear a rumor of a new war, every time we hear of a terrible famine, every time we hear of another earthquake or some calamity, should we not hear several things from the Lord? One, he is a just and mighty God, awesome in holiness and hatred for sin. He is the judge of all the earth and he will do right. And the second thing we should hear is that the birth of the kingdom is drawing nigh. I call it uh, hope-filled warnings. Hope-filled warnings of the age to come. Let me show you the way Paul taught this. If you want to turn with me to Romans 8, this is a very foundational text for understanding the futility of this creation. 
and all the pain and agony and misery that the people in San Francisco are enduring and that you and I will endure. I want to begin reading with you at verse 19 of Romans 8. Paul says, the creation, there you can think of geological plates, if you will, in the earth, among many other things. The creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation, this earth, was subjected to futility. Not of its own will, but of the will of him who subjected it in hope. Now notice, only one person could be meant by that. Satan did not bring ruin upon this world in hope. God did. God brought the curse down upon this creation. With all of its futility, because of sin, but he did it in hope. And that's what it means when it calls them birth pangs. All the calamities of the world are the birth pangs of the kingdom. It's in hope that we experience the tragedies of the fallen creation. We, we read on. Because the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the glorious liberty of the children of God. This is the new earth that God intends to bring about for us children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning. That's what happened underneath San Francisco. A great groaning of the earth. And having birth pangs. Same word in Romans. Birth pangs until now. So if you were to ask me, why do you think God has ordained that there be earthquakes in increasing frequency and intensity as the end draws near. Why? Why has he done that? The only answer I would know to give is that God wants to give hope-filled warnings like birth pangs of a great and joyous birth of a new kingdom someday. He doesn't want it to take us off guard. He doesn't want to catch you off guard when the great shaking comes and the Lord descends and there's a trumpet blast. He wants you to be stirred up, shaken, awake, out of your sleep. He wants San Francisco to be awake. He wants that entire gay community to be awake, repentant, ready to meet their maker. He wants the rich and the poor. He wants the marina district and the low uh, income district there in Oakland to be awake to God, the shaker and mover of the universe, not drunk in their sin and prosperity. And that's why. And, and it's our job to interpret this for them. Earthquakes are the birth pangs of the kingdom of God, and they are very merciful. Third point, before the great end comes, God is giving freely 
to everyone who believes an unshakable kingdom. Now we're back to our text, verse 28. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And I want you to notice what we stressed several weeks ago. You Christians have already received this kingdom. You see that? Let us be grateful for receiving. It's even clearer in the original. Having received a kingdom, let us give thanks is a literal translation. It's yours. You belong to a kingdom this morning through Jesus Christ that cannot be shaken. It is un. Shakeable already. And it doesn't matter whether you live in Santa Cruz or Charleston, South Carolina, or on the banks of the Ganges in Bangladesh. It cannot be shaken. It does not mean that there were no Christians under the Nimitz Freeway. Mark that. To have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken does not mean there were no Christians. There are no Christians under the Nimitz Freeway. Romans 8.23, let's make sure we hear it well. It says, this is the text we were just reading, a verse farther. Not only does the creation... Geological plates beneath Northern California groan with birth pangs. But we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Holy Spirit, groan inwardly, awaiting our adoption as sons, the redemption of our crushed bodies. Heart attack ridden bodies, arthritic bodies. My mother was crushed. In a car accident. When I read the, you call those things that come from the coroner, can't remember. It said, cause of death, lacerated medulla oblongata, which is not a pretty thing to think about. That's part of the futility of this age, brothers and sisters. And we won't escape. If you live in the flood, you may drown. If you live in the earthquake, your house or your church may fall upon you. If you live in the inner city, you may get shot. Receiving an unshakable kingdom does not mean... Safety for the body in this world. Here's what it means. I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus my Lord. Here we have no lasting city, but we seek a city that is to come, a city that has foundations, a city whose builder and maker is God, a city that cannot be shaken. 
That's what it means to be given the kingdom now in this life. Which brings us to the last point, very briefly. In view of all these things, in view of the free gift of an unshakable kingdom, let us worship God with reverence and awe, remembering that our God is a consuming fire. Verse 28 again. We'll read it to the end. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. So the question I want to leave you with, believer and unbeliever, I want to leave you with this question. Are you now worshiping, cherishing, valuing, esteeming, loving, holding, with reverence and awe to our unshakable God? Or are you worshiping, cherishing, esteeming, valuing, holding on to things in this world that are so fleeting, so unstable and fragile. I have a letter here from St. Croix that I just got in the mail today. St. Croix was just set back a hundred years by Hugo. The last paragraph of this from a pastor of Sunny Isle Baptist Church in St. Croix, one of our conference outposts. Hugo has further reinforced in our minds the importance of holding loosely to material things. In one night, accumulated wealth for which people had labored for many years was turned over to the wind and the rain, which were soon followed by thieves. One of the headlines in yesterday's paper, you probably saw it, said, Marina lifestyles crumble with the buildings. And you can read the stories of husband and wife niggling at each other about whether they'll ever have anything again. Surely there's a word for us from the Lord in all of this about the calamities of our lives. The world and everything in it is fragile, unstable, fleeting and insecure. But the kingdom of God is absolutely unshakable. It will last forever. And this morning, according to this text, it is given like a gift. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you receive the kingdom like a little child, you will not enter it. And so it's just a matter of becoming humble and childlike this morning and saying, I can't help myself. I can't build any protections around myself. But I have a Father who offers me an everlasting, unshakable kingdom. He says I can have it if I will receive it. I do receive it through Jesus Christ who loved me and gave Himself for me. That's all it takes to be unshakable forever and ever. And so I'd like us to bow for a moment before we sing a song together and let you just deal with the Lord asking Him to put you in that kingdom if you haven't already done that and thanking Him for the kingdom 
if you already have. Let's just pray for a minute together.